Good morning. So great to see y'all and be here with you. We, Pastor Randy, I love you. I appreciate you. And you're just such a great pastor. And the whole staff here is wonderful. And, and just consider you friends. And thank you for letting me be here so many times this year. It feels so good. Uh, it, for me, it's just perfect. We, we leave one week from today. Next Sunday at 6, six o'clock, we'll fly out from DFW. Down to, down, back down to Chile, South America. So it's this is the last church we're going to visit while we're here. So it's just, I'm happy to be here at this place. I haven't visited a church more than once. This is the one we, I feel like this is home. And so thank you for, for loving us. <laughs> Having us here, we are in the midst of boxes everywhere. And the good thing is I haven't packed one of my kids in the boxes. So they're all accounted for. We're good. Passports are ready. We're ready to get back, but uh, man, just excited to share with you what God's uh, going to speak to us today. Uh, the title of the sermon is, This Wasn't What I Wanted. This Wasn't What I Wanted. Once you go to the book of 2 Kings, chapter 5, we're going to read verses 1 through 3, then we're going to jump on down to verses 9 through 15. This is a, a great story, and I pray that uh, the Lord will speak to us this morning. Uh, starting in verse 1, it says, Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria he would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Far Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went and said to him, my father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him to do. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Please accept a gift from your servant. Let's pray. Father, would you speak to us today? In the name of Jesus, I pray that you would break down our misconceptions, break down our preconceived ideas, come and break up our expectations, bring healing to our minds and hearts and help us to focus on you, Jesus. You are the healer, you are the savior, and we trust in you and we believe that you're gonna come in the midst of all our, uh, all, everything we're going through and you're gonna make it right. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have you ever ordered something and it didn't quite turn out like you wanted it to? Uh, have you ever been, let's say, to fast food 
happens quite frequently. You order something and you get it and, and you pull it out of the bag and you look at it and you say, I ordered this, but this isn't what I wanted. <laughs> and later, sometimes we feel a little funny. We say, yeah, that, that's not what I wanted. Maybe how about uh, ordering on the internet? Have you ever bought something on the internet, uh, whether it be Amazon or whatever website, and when you got it, it wasn't what you wanted? Now, when we were, when the pandemic was going on in South America and Chile, we were on lockdown for a year and a half. We could only get out two times a, a week, had to get special permission from the police to get out of your house. I mean, it was crazy. But in a year and a half, kids grow a little bit. Anybody, you know what I'm saying? Kids, they, they grow pretty fast. So in a year and a half, our kids started outgrowing their clothes. Their shirts were hitting them above the belly button. Their pant legs were up mid-calf. They needed clothes, so we had no other option, but we said, well, nothing was shipping down there. The malls were closed. Nothing. Not even Walmart. And when Walmart's closed, that's when it's bad. That's bad. So we get online and we order some stuff from China. And, you know, we ordered it and we saw it online. We said, okay, this, looks, this is what we need. And we got it and we pulled it out and it, and it was. It looked really nice. Except when my son went to put on his T-shirt, it would not go over his head. We had to cut slits in it. it. You know, it's what we ordered, but for some reason, it wasn't what we wanted. It didn't meet our expectations. How about... Uh, Online dating. <laughs> you ever seen a profile? And uh, when you actually met the person, it wasn't what you wanted. It was good for, it, it was, far, it was uh, what, what do they say? It was good from far, but far from good. And uh, that happens in life, doesn't it? In life full of funny twists and turns and curveballs that hit us right between the eyes. And uh, we oftentimes find ourselves saying, this isn't what I wanted. This is not what I signed up for. This is not, I didn't leave, I guess I didn't read the fine print. Something's happened because I thought life was going to be like this. I thought my job was going to be like this. I thought my marriage was going to be like this. And my job and my marriage and everything I'm going through is here. This isn't what I wanted. And I want you to put yourself for a moment in the place of Naaman. This miraculous story we read, yes, God is the God of the impossible. He can do things like go bathe in that creek down there and you'll get healed, right? He can do that. That's God. And Naaman, just think about this for a moment. Naaman is the most powerful man on the face of the earth. Quite, it's very possible he's the most powerful man on the face of the earth at this moment. The Assyrian Empire, which was taking over, tumbling other kingdoms and empires, and he was the commander of the army. This man was not just powerful, but lethal. He was a soldier, and he had one problem. He had all the power in the world, but he had leprosy. Now, we're not for sure. Back in biblical times, they would call any kind of skin disease leprosy. So it could have been the, what we know leprosy today. It could have been something different. But the point is, his, he had everything in the world except this. Except this one little problem. Have you ever been there? You seem like you, maybe, maybe your career, maybe everything's going good. Maybe everything you signed up for, it's better than you expected. But there's just that one little because at the end of the day, you can't sleep at night at peace because there's something off. At the end of the day, you can't have peace and reconciliation with others because something's off. You don't know. 
You see what I'm saying? We can have a lot of things going well for us, but there's something about when that one little thing, and, and, and this was Naaman. So Naaman was desperate. It said he took 30,000 pieces of silver, 6,000 pieces of gold, and 10 changes of clothes. Now, this is uh, not the clothes we ordered on the internet from China, okay? This was like a full sets of wardrobes, nice, ornate clothes that you would gift to somebody as a bribe or as to honor them. And, and Naaman, he spared no expense. He, took, he had everything at his command. You know, when we're desperate, we're willing to pay any price, aren't we? When we're desperate to, to see breakthrough, see something happen, we're willing to pay any price. And he goes all the way to this little insignificant place, you know, compared to the Assyrian Empire, he goes to this little insignificant country of Israel, and he goes to this religious man, Elisha, the prophet. He walks up to his door. Now, how many of you know Naaman was probably expecting at least the red carpet, right? He was expecting some pomp and circumstance. He was expecting, uh, he had high expectations about what the man of God would do, and then Elijah doesn't even go to the door. He sends a servant, and his servant comes out, and far from telling him, take this medicine or say this chant or pray to this God, here's this, do that, he goes, you see that river over there? The River Jordan? Go bathe in it seven times. And God will heal you. Now just put yourself again. Try to think about Naaman, the most powerful man on the face of the earth at this time. Commander of armies. Gets disrespected by the prophet. Doesn't even, doesn't even show up to the door. And then he tells him, go bathe over in the river Jordan. Naaman probably felt like he was telling him, just go bathe over there in that little creek over there. <laughs> that little nasty kind of got little little pond scum on the side there. I mean, just net, just go bathe in that. And yet he went and it was crazy and it didn't make sense. It didn't meet his expectations, but he came out healthy. And what I want to drive home this, uh, this morning with you is this. If, if there's one big idea I want you to walk away with today, it's this, let Jesus be the one to change your expectations. Let Jesus be the one to change your expectations. That's the, the one, if there's a one big idea, you're gonna forget everything else, don't forget that. Jesus is the one who has the right. Jesus is the one of, who's capable, not just of changing our expectations, but delivering on his change, delivering on his hope and his promise. You see, life will upset our expectations. Am I right? You with me this morning? It's, we oftentimes find ourselves saying that phrase, it's not what I wanted. It's not what I asked for. Or it's what I asked for, but it didn't deliver. It's, it, we say this about our health. We say this about when, when we get a little, when we, when we start getting the dad bod. I'm trying. It's not what I wanted. <laughs> but I'm trying. We say this about all kinds of things, bad diagnoses. We, when you start having to, you start reading something, and you, you gets further and further and further. You know, life has this funny thing of doing things to your body and your health and things. And we say, this is not what I was expecting. I used to make fun of my dad about this stuff. 
Life has a way of upsetting our expectations and our relationships, doesn't it? We look at our relationships that we have and we put so much stock in people and this is going to be great and then all of a sudden they move away or they're transferred or they, something happens and it's broken. We look at our career and we studied and paid a lot of money or went into a lot of debt and we're still paying that off and all of a sudden we can't find a job. And what we're working in is not what we studied and what we are working in. We're underpaid and underappreciated and overworked. And, and then we look at it at the end of the day and we say, this was not what I expected. We look at our marriage sometimes. It's not what I expected. But I, after almost 20 years of marriage, I can say this. My marriage isn't what I expected. But it's better. It's better than what I expected. But there's been moments. Can I be real? <laughs> There's been moments where I said, this isn't what I expected. This is not what I said. Here's the thing we need to understand. I want you to remember this. When life breaks our expectations, it breaks us. When life breaks up our expectations, it breaks us. But something changes when we are capable of putting our faith in God. I remember Victor and Ursula, this young family that came to our church. We planted a church about 10 years ago in the capital city of Chile. And uh, it was a new church, and, and we were so excited to see this family walk in. And this family came in with three children, and the middle one was eight years old, and they came in carrying her in their arms. Now, an eight-year-old, that's a little big to be carrying around your arms everywhere you go. But we've come to find out she had a rare muscular disease where from her hips down, she was losing all her muscular strength. It was the only case in all of Chile, one in 20 million, the only case in the whole country that had been diagnosed with this condition, only two cases like it in South America. There was no cure. There was no treatment, only a diagnosis. That's it. Only bleak news. So this family, to say the least, when they came in, they came in, uh, life and raising children had not quite met their expectations. So they came in and they would have to carry, the, the children's church was on the second floor of the place we met, we met, and so they would have to carry her up the stairs to go to children's church. She could barely walk. She had no strength. She was degenerating quickly. And they began to come and they would sit every day right there where you're sitting and they would weep. They would weep because life had thrown them a big, nasty curveball. Some of you have been there. But they kept coming. And they kept seeking Jesus. And we noticed little by little their daughter began to walk a little more and get a little stronger. And things got a little better. And they finally went to the doctor after about six months to the specialist, and he began to interrogate them and say, what have you been doing? What witch doctor are you taking? What alternative medicine? Because I'm looking at the test, and the test says she has this, but I'm looking at this girl, and she's getting better and stronger. She should by this time be confined to a wheelchair, but she is getting better. What are you doing? And the mom just very innocently said, we're just praying to Jesus. That's all we know to do. Nothing else has worked. 
And the doctor looked at him and said, keep praying because it's working. You see, when life breaks up your expectations, it breaks us. But when God breaks up our expectations, it heals us. It brings healing to our, our bodies, to our soul, to our hearts. Just like the psalmist said in Psalm 23, 3, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. How many of you know life will do violence to your soul? We do violence to our own soul. Not resting and, and, and not taking a day of rest and overworking and stressing out about everything in the world and trying to control every factor of our life just so we can uh, make life match up our expectations. Guess what? It's a lost cause. Something's going to happen. Murphy's Law is going to kick in. It's going to happen. And what we don't realize is that we do violence to our soul with our worry, our anxiety, our stress, our hate, and we kill our soul, trying to make life, control it. But the psalmist said, he restores my soul. He restores my soul. He, he, he brings healing to our heart. Psalm 147.3 says, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Isn't that a wonderful verse? Don't you love that imagery? He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds, just like the, the good Samaritan that, bind, that bound up the wounds of the man that was assaulted on the road to Jericho. He bound up his wounds. God is the great physician. Jesus is the healer. He comes to us in the moment of our need, and he heals our broken heart. He heals our body. We believe that as a church, as a, as a, as a community of faith, we believe that God intervenes, that God does the, the impossible just as he did with that family. Listen to this. Psalms 27, 13 through 14 says, I would have fainted. You ever been there? About to faint? I would have fainted unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. You know, the first time I really, I had read this verse, but the first time it really just hit me like a ton of bricks was we were going through a rough time. We were going through a rough time. My, my wife was pregnant with our second child, John Mark, and we had found out that he had hydrocephalus. Uh, in utero, and so there's nothing you can do about that. You just have to wait. Uh, there were some experimental interventions, but really no promise or, or more of a risk than anything. And we, the, every time we went back, it was getting worse and worse. And we were told basically that if he makes it, because uh, it was so severe that he would be born, and then they would have to immediately intervene and put a shunt in to drain the liquid and there's no guarantees. Now I know this condition very well because my brother was born with hydrocephalus in 1985 and lived a very difficult life before he passed away at age 16. So I know this disease and so it was terrible. I remember sitting there with my wife uh, with Myra and we were sitting in the baby's, what would be the baby's nursery and we had the crib out and it wasn't put together and we just looked at each other in tears and said, is it even worth putting it together? And so we're sitting there 
in the valley of the shadow of death. And that very day, a friend of mine sent me this verse, Psalms 27, 13 through 14. I would have fainted unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And my friend who sent me that message through a Facebook messenger who the year before, now catch this, the year before had lost his wife to cancer, his 25-year-old wife to cancer. And he sends me this message saying, and, and with these words, don't be afraid to ask and claim the goodness of God right now in the land of the living. See, sometimes we, we kind of resign ourselves to life's broken expectations. Sometimes we resign ourselves to what's going on. And there is a point where we do have to come and embrace uh, God in the midst of this, but there is also precedence to say that we will believe and continue to believe to see the goodness of God. In the land of the living, no matter in the land of the living, right now, not just heaven one day where there'll be no tear, where all war will cease and famine and hunger, it'll all go away and there'll be peace and serenity. Not just claim that promise, but claim that today the psalmist says, We will see the goodness of God here in the land of the living. And we began to do that. And I know, and I know it, not everybody's story. My brother's story didn't end like my son's, but my son, three weeks before he was born, we went to the doctor, and the doctor couldn't believe it. He, he kept taking, now he was a top specialist for fetal medicine in all of Chile, and he said, I can't believe what I'm seeing. Something did something. And he said that phrase two or three times. He said, this is impossible. This doesn't fix itself. But something did something. I can't believe it. I don't know. I can't explain to you through science or medicine, but something did something because now the, the liquid's flowing, the swelling is reduced. I don't know what's going on, but something did something. And the thing I want to say to you, which is the same thing I said to the doctor, is we don't have to sit there and go, something's going to do something. We have to look at God and say, someone is going to do something. Someone that Jesus Christ, he's, he can intervene and he can right now in the land of the living, he can intervene in the midst of our broken expectation in our broken moment. He can intervene and he can bring healing. And Jesus healed my son and he should have all kinds of consequences, but negative consequences from that. And we, we praise God for it. He won the school spelling bee last year, okay? I'm just saying. You see, sometimes the solution we're looking for, it's not what we wanted either. The mess that we're in, it's not what we wanted. But sometimes the solution God gives us, we don't want that either. We say, God, get me out of this problem. And when he throws us a life vest, God, give me something else. This water's cold. I don't know how to swim. Get me out of this. Throws me a life vest. No, no, no. Do it a different way, God. Go bathe over there in that creek. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Maybe the, maybe the solution God came was go to church. I'm not going to go to that place. <laughs> Maybe the solution God is putting your path in the midst of your broken expectations in your marriage is go to counseling. 
I'm not going to tell people about my problems. We, we, we don't like the problem, but we don't like the solution either. Maybe, maybe what God's saying is forgive the one who abused you. saying it's right the mere fact that Jesus went to the cross and died for those sins says it ain't right but if you want to overcome the hurt of the past it's time to forgive maybe Jesus is saying remember that person you ripped off (laughs) pay him back We don't want the solution, but we want to be out of the problem. And But it's God's way, His merciful way of breaking through our pride. Naaman was the most powerful man on the face of the earth. Leader of the Syrian army. God had to break through him. Bring healing to his body. See, sometimes God heals our pride before He heals, heals us. So what are the expectations you have today? Don't, don't, be like the, don't be like the child that's got to get shots for school for the school year and it takes three or four nurses to hold them down. Let God come in and intervene. Let God break up the hard ground. Let God break up our expectations. Life has done it long enough. That's going to happen. Life's going to break up our expectations. But let God intervene and bring the answer. You know, you weren't the first one. None none of us are, we're we're not that original. You understand that, right? (laughs) Because we weren't the first ones to question what Jesus was doing. If you remember the story in Matthew 11, John the Baptist had been preparing the way for the Savior, announcing the coming of the Savior, and he was calling people out, calling them pretty strongly that they were dirty, rotten sinners. (laughs) Basically, in today's language, that's what he was saying. And he called him to repent and be baptized, and he said, the one is coming. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals, but one's coming who's greater than me, and he's going to be the Lamb of God. He's going to be the Savior of the world. And Jesus came on the scene and was healing and casting out demons and healing the sick. And, and, and John's getting excited, and all of a sudden, John gets thrown in jail. It's not what I expected. It's not what I expected. So John starts seeing Jesus, and he's saying, Okay, Jesus, save us. Now. Anytime now. (laughs) You you can do it now. Come on. Restore the kingdom of Israel. You can do this. You're the Savior. Let's do it. Come on. Uh, We got a time crunch here. (laughs) And so he begins to question and he goes to Jesus or he sends people to Jesus and they say, are you the Messiah whom we've waited or should we keep looking for another? And Jesus said, go back and tell John 
Go back to John and tell him what you've heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk. Lepers are healed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, good news is preached to the poor. And he added, blessed are those who do not turn away because of me. Jesus just breaks up all the expectations, doesn't he? See, sometimes when we're in the midst of that problem we don't want to be in, Jesus comes along and he offers the solution and we say, well, I don't need that. That's for weak people. I'm my own man. I can take care of this. I don't need I don't need that. And Jesus says, "Blessed are those who embrace the insanity of the cross." Now think about that for a moment. In the midst of the Roman Empire, covered the known earth most God didn't show up in Rome he showed up in some little insignificant city Israel small stubborn religious people that only prayed to one God and he shows up he comes to save the world by crawling on a cross and giving his own life now that doesn't make sense. That doesn't meet my expectations. And then what he asks us to do is simply recognize our brokenness, our failure, and our sin. And embrace what he did on the cross as our way to a path of life and forgiveness with God. No, 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 but it, it, it's got to be, it's got to be more complicated than that, right? Don't, don't. Remember Naaman, he said, he's going to wave his hand over it. He's going to chant and say some kind of incantation. He's going to, he's going to do, he's going to sacrifice a chicken. He's going to do, I don't know what he's going to do, but he's going to do something better than that. There's got to be something better than that. And Jesus says, no, I gave my life on the cross. I did the work. I paid the price. What I'm asking you to do is just receive it. Accept my, my forgiveness. Let me come in and rewrite your story. That's what he's saying. Let me step in and rewrite your story. Let me step in and start a new life. That's what Jesus is saying. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? Maybe that's you today. You'd say, life has broken up my expectations. And though I don't fully understand the solution, I don't quite, it, it doesn't make sense to me at first. There's something in me right now that says that's the answer. If that's you, if, if you would like to put your life and your broken expectations and your failures in the hands of Jesus and have a new start would you everybody's eyes are closed would you be so bold as to raise your hand this morning keep it up we want to put a Bible in your hands if you'd like to give your life to Jesus this morning and say Lord write my story anew Keep that hand up. We want to put a Bible in your hand. We want to pray with you. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a prayer, and I'm going to lead us in a prayer this morning. And if you've just received a Bible this morning, I, I, I would especially, all of us, but especially you, if you've raised your hand this morning, would you just, in your own words, in your own heart, follow this prayer along and believe that Jesus is going to rewrite your story today. Let's close our eyes and pray. Lord, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross. And I believe he is the path to forgiveness, to rightness with you, God, and with mankind. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my failures. And help me, Lord, have a new start, a new path. Lord, I turn from my old life. I repent of my sins. And I ask that you would receive me as a son or a daughter and make me a new man or woman in you. Help me, Lord. I put my, I put my hope in you. My story is your story to rewrite. And I pray, Father, that uh, when you, when I call to you and you answer, that I won't turn away from the answer you give. But I'll let you be the one to bring healing to my broken expectations. We love you, Jesus. And we pray all this in your name. Amen. We have some prayer partners that are going to come up at this time. If you need prayer for anything, but especially if maybe the Lord's spoken to you today and, and you, want, you want Jesus to be the one to break up your expectations. You're tired of life breaking up your expectations. These prayer partners are here for you. They want to pray with you. They want to counsel you. Don't leave here, especially if you raised your hand this morning and pray that prayer with us. Would you Would you come up here, get prayed for again, find one of the pastors and let them help you find a new life in Christ. Amen? As others come to pray, would you, you're free to go, but uh, it's open up here to come down and get prayer.